So I grew up in a small town in Washington State raised by a deeply re religious mother who valued kindness above all things. And I took that value of kindness and I created a mandate for my life where I really felt that it was my duty to heal people and to um, bring love to people through acts of kindness and just selflessness. And that led to a few unbalanced and unhealthy relationships, <laughs> as you can imagine. And when I was 23 and I was dating the second person ever in my life and he asked me to marry him three months in, I said yes. Not because I wanted to or I loved him, but because I didn't want to hurt his feelings. And because I thought that he really needed somebody. And because he had these two small children, a boy who was three and a girl who was five. And I knew that their mother was young like me and she was fighting a lot of demons. And I thought they needed someone too. So I said yes, and we got married three months later. And I threw myself into parenting these children. And I can honestly say it just suit me right down to the ground. I absolutely adored them. And now having children of my own, I can tell you with certainty that I loved them just as fiercely as I love my own children. Um, so I became the primary parent in the household, and it was that way for eight years. Um, but though parenting came naturally for me, being a wife did not come as naturally for me. Um, my husband was very moody, and I'd never been around that in my life before. I didn't know how to handle it or interpret it. Um, he also was cruel. Uh, he yelled at me. He threw my things away. He um, often disappeared for hours at a time with no explanation at all. And all of this um, culminated uh, in at five years in our marriage when um, I was pregnant with my first child and he called me one day and he said, um, come out to the curb when you see me pull up in the car and get in and don't say a word. And so I went out to the curb and I nervously got in the car and he immediately launched us into traffic driving really erratically, speeding in and out, taking wild turns, and all the time the music was turned, just blaring. And I sat there eyes wide, um, terrified, not because um, I didn't know where we were going, but because I knew that this was a dangerous situation. Um, we finally pulled over at a grocery store, and he leaned over and he said as quietly as he could, we're being followed by the Russian mafia. <laughs> and um, they've, they're camping out next door, and our lives are in danger. And that was the moment that I knew that something was really wrong with my husband. <laughs> but it took me three more years of cycling through, maybe he has a brain disease, to uh, maybe he's demon-possessed to finally the realization that he was bipolar with psychosis. But even then, I had no idea what to do about that. Um, it wasn't until my mother came to visit, and my daughter by then was two years old, and uh, she saw how I was living in that um, my husband was now gone for days at a time, and I didn't have food in the house and no money but I had this little girl to take care of and often um, my other two children as well. And she told me, 
you know it's okay to leave. And at that moment, I knew that not only was it okay to leave, but I must leave. Because I looked at my daughter and I understood my responsibility to protect her and to raise her in an environment that was secure and safe. Um, but I was scared because I also had the responsibility of these other two children who had grown to love me as deeply as their own mother. And I knew that by my leaving, I was going to strip away from them the one source of security that they had, and I was going to do it at the same time that they were going to lose their father. But I looked again at my daughter and thought about my responsibility to her, and I knew I had to make that decision. So I told my stepchildren that I was going to have to go. And I think I made up some story at first, um, but they knew what was going on because kids always do. And um, I remember the day that I left, my, I was pulling out of um, my stepson's uh, mother's driveway. And my stepson followed me out to the car. He watched as I buckled up his sister and shut the door. And I hugged him, and I got into my side uh, behind the driver's wheel. I started pulling out into the driveway, and he just followed behind with his hands shoved deep into his pockets, just watching me. And I couldn't put my finger on the expression on his face, but I know it's going to haunt me forever. So two weeks later, I'm at my grandmother's house, and I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to start over and how I'm going to make a new life for me and my daughter. I didn't want to work three jobs and never be around. Um, I wanted to do something to, that she could be proud of. So I was trying to figure it out. And my father called me, and he asked me to come and visit him in Mexico. He said he had a proposition for me, and I was pretty low on propositions at the moment. So I went to see him, my little girl in tow, and we get there, and the first thing he says to me is, hey, um, I am working with your oldest brother and your youngest brother for a Mexican drug cartel. <laughs> yeah, he felt pretty good about it because um, <laughs> he was making some good money and um, he, he didn't have many options before he really thought it was God's hand in his life. Um, and so he went on to explain how he and my oldest brother, Kenny, were doing really well. And they were businessmen, you know, so they were using their money for good. Um, but my little brother, Josh, was a hardcore coke addict. And um, he was drowning by the second. And um, his children were malnourished, and his wife was dealing with her grief by taking methamphetamines. And would I please move to Mexico and take care of my brother's kids and help them until they could sort out what to do about Josh's addiction? And 
All I could think was frying pan, fire. <laughs> and I thought about my daughter and the obligation I had to her to raise her the best I could. And I thought about the awful decision I had to make regarding my stepkids and the sacrifice that I made to make it possible that my daughter have safety and security. And I told my dad, no. I said, I will not dedicate one more minute of my life to somebody else's self-destruction. And I went home, and I went back to college, and I got a teaching degree, and I stayed in touch with my stepchildren, and I loved them as best I could. But fast forward 15 years. My stepson lives on and off the streets as an alcoholic, has since he's been 16. My stepdaughter was hit by a car and killed, panhandling her way across the United States. My little brother, Josh, was murdered by the cartel he worked for. I ask myself all the time what part I played in those stories and what I could have done to save them and make a difference. And the answer is, I don't know. But I've come to these two conclusions. One, if I could have thought of any way to save anyone and not drown myself and my daughter in the process, I would have done it. And two, it's not my fault. Thank you.